this thing on? Because it's getting ready to be on. Hello and welcome to Bell Ringer. My name is Greg. Your guest name today is John Bird, the chair of the University at Buffalo's Electrical Engineering Department. John and I talk about the semiconductor industry, the role that the University at Buffalo has to play both from a research standpoint and from a talent standpoint, and then more broadly discuss his relocation to Buffalo from most recently Arizona and the things that he loves most about our region. A big thank you to him for his time and you for yours. So give our audience a quick introduction to yourself and then more broadly, your work at the University at Buffalo. Sure. Uh, so my name is John Bird, and I'm a professor in the Department of Electrical Engineering at UB. Um, I'm also chair of that department, a role I've been um, serving in for the past uh, four years or so. Um, my research is in nanoelectronics. It's strongly connected to semiconductor industry and in a sense to the future directions of the semiconductor uh, industry. Um, and in terms of my background and where I came from, I have my formal education in the UK. I completed my PhD degree in the UK, at which point um, I decided that a PhD is a great qualification in a sense a passport to allow you to step out into the world and go and experience work in a very different environment. So in 1990 I in fact moved to Japan on a uh, fellowship from the Japanese uh, government, a one-year fellowship at a university in Japan. Um, as these things tend to do that led to a further five years in a Japanese research laboratory. And that was really a great experience for me because it exposed me to a very cutting edge and integrated research ecosystem that you have in, that you have in advanced countries, uh, of course, uh, like in Japan or in the US, um, where you see very closely how research that takes place in universities or in national labs doesn't take place in isolation. Uh, it's integrated in with the objectives of bigger industry, in this case, the semiconductor industry. So working in Japan was a great experience for me. On the back of that, in the late 90s, I came to the US. Um, I have to say that I'd had a long time dream of becoming a faculty member in a US university because as a student, even in the UK, doing my PhD training, I was acutely aware of the existence of the US as really the leading um, research environment, research ecosystem uh, in the world. And so to have a chance to be a part of that was too big an opportunity turned down. So I came to the US in the late 90s. I was at Arizona State University uh, for seven years as an associate professor. Um, and then in 2004, we decided to uh, move here to Buffalo to take a position at UB. UB is a leading 
national university uh, with a very strong reputation in science and engineering. So I was very happy to get the opportunity to, to come here. Uh, as we maybe touch upon later on, there are other reasons for coming to Buffalo, not just um, the presence of the university. Um, but that led me here in 2004, and since then I've got two kids who've grown up here who are firmly Buffalonian. I kind of feel as uh, uh, an honorary Buffalonian myself. Um, we enjoy very much uh, the lifestyle here, um, and working at UB has been a great experience. You know, you bring up a good point about the University at Buffalo's national reputation. And that's kind of where I want to go next. So, you know, I think maybe people might be people not familiar or close to this field might be surprised to hear about the university's reputation in that space. So how does UB, you know, develop such a qualified talent pool, specifically in the semiconductor industry, and maybe not, you know, located near as dense of a, a cluster of yeah. companies as even maybe when you were in Arizona? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting difference. Um, in Arizona, Arizona State University in Phoenix, um, ASU is located very much in the heart of um, a major semiconductor industry. Um, there are a lot of uh, support companies, small businesses that support the larger scale semiconductor industry there. So it's very strongly integrated. It's, it's quite different to the situation here, but nonetheless, UB, I think, has always had an, a reputation um, as a strong public university. Um, in my area of, of um, well, in my area that's at the interface between physics and engineering, um, UB was always one of the institutions with presence, if you like. Um, but I think what has happened is I've been here 15 years. I, I came here, sorry, I've been here 17 years. Um, and I came here with uh, support of a special program from New York State, which I think demonstrates how forward thinking New York State is in terms of its approach to higher education. I came under a program that was basically designed to um, attract talent from other parts of the country. Um, and in the 17 years that I've been here, what I've really seen, um, especially in the last decade or so, is a real fundamental change in the philosophy and the nature of um, the university and the School of Engineering. Um, you could have made an argument when I first came here, I think, that UB was more of a provincial uh, university, but I think that now there's a definite sense that it's very much a global institution. Um, and if we're talking about science and engineering and possible overlap with the semiconductor industry, um, there's a very strong core of research within UB um, that spans both engineering and fundamental science. So from physics and chemistry to um, electrical engineering, computer science and engineering, um, materials engineering. 
um, there's this very strong core uh, that focuses on basic and applied research that is directly relevant to semiconductor uh, industry. So for example, the exploration of new materials that could be used in future technology for the semiconductor uh, industry. Um, universities are strong when they have a critical mass in any given research sphere, any given research area. And in UB, we definitely have critical mass in the area of um, materials um, and what we would call electronic and uh, photonic uh, devices. So these are technologies or, or um, foundational fields that enable technologies that are of direct interest to the semiconductor community. What do you see as the benefits, you know, you just kind of laid out the benefits of, of having a really mm -hmm. robust, you know, research engine at a university. Mm -hmm. What are the benefits for a company to then leverage and utilize that research within industry and apply it, you know, in the, in the private sector, I suppose, beyond yeah. university research and, and out in our local regional economy? Well, first of all, many of our faculty are used to working with uh, scientists and, and, and technical personnel from industry already. They're used to sort of understanding the factors that, that or, or the needs that drive um, commercial uh, industry. Um, at the same time, um, we have an ability to be nimble if we're presented with a problem that needs to be explored, we can pivot resources to look at that very quickly. And again, I would come back to this um, point that we are a comprehensive institution. So, you know, if there's a particular problem that needs to be solved, solved from a commercial or industrial perspective, we have the multidisciplinary capability in-house to tackle complex problems of that kind. Um, so, for example, if we look at semiconductor uh, technology, semiconductor technology relies on the existence of all kinds of different materials, semiconductor materials, um, but also, um, metallic materials for making connection between complex connections between different parts of uh, circuits. You need um, very high quality um, insulating materials. So, um, and as technology progresses, the sort of constraints on, on, on those materials and their associated devices become tighter and tighter and tighter. Um, our faculty have the expertise to tackle problems in that area. Um, and again, they can do it in a team-like fashion where you bring together expertise from a diverse range of areas. And it's only really by doing that that you can tackle uh, complex problems.
So I think that that positions us very strongly. And we have a strong uh, uh, record within the university of what I would call collegial collaboration. Um, you see all the time situations where our faculty are working together. You have faculty from different departments that are working together to address, you know, different kinds of uh, problems, not just in the semiconductor arena, but for example, in, in transportation, in computation, in healthcare. Um, we've seen it most recently with the pandemic, where many of our researchers, many of our faculty have been able to very quickly pivot to um, take on problems that are directly relevant to addressing the challenge of the pandemic. So that's the strength of the, the environment, the system that we have here. And the other side of that coin, you know, there's the research and, and the faculty. The other side, obviously, is the talent output of the university mm -hmm. and your your student pool. And that intersects, you know, well with with our work at Invest yeah. in Niagara as we try and attract new companies to the region, specifically in the semiconductor industry. Mm -hmm. So from your point of view, as the the chair of the department, how is talent both from a capabilities and an access standpoint, how critical is that to a semiconductor company's success and growth as you know they they become a, a larger part of our regional economy and build out that cluster that we were speaking to earlier? It's absolutely crucial. High quality talent is the lifeblood of the semiconductor industry. You only have to look at the way that that industry snaps up um, PhD level scientists as they're produced by universities across the country. To give you kind of anecdotal evidence, I've, I've sort of, under my guidance, I've mentored um, nearly 30 PhD students over a 30 year uh, career. Uh, virtually all of those have gone on to uh, high-level careers in major semiconductor companies. We're talking about companies like IBM, Intel, uh, Micron, uh, Global Foundries, uh, a company that has an important presence here in, in uh, New York State. Um, so the semiconductor industry relies critically on top, talent our university can produce that talent and that talent is essential to confronting the the really complex technological problems that the semiconductor industry confronts continuously as part of its business model i mean we can't let this discussion go by without recognizing the really i call it has been the quiet revolution of the 20th century. Um, what companies like Intel achieved in making more and more powerful processors for electronic uh, products like computers, uh, handheld devices. The, the technology advances that underpin that, um, which have underpinned that for nearly five decades now, are remarkable. The technological capabilities of 
the semiconductor industry are mind-boggling. They can, you know, make materials on the scale of, you know, a 12-inch LP where the number of undesired impurity atoms is controlled at a level that you can almost count on the fingers of your hand. I mean, it's an incredible achievement, um, but it's, the industry has only been able to achieve that by having, having access to top flight talent. Now, you, you mentioned my role as, as, as chair. Um, you know, within the School of Engineering, we produce hundreds of PhD uh, graduates a year. Um, many of those come from electrical engineering and from computer engineering. Um, so we're able to produce the talent that the semiconductor industry needs. Um, the students that we recruit come from globally diverse backgrounds. Um, they represent some of the some of the brightest and the smartest people um, from there home uh, countries and working with those uh, students uh, we're able to uh, train them to become um, really critical contributors to the semiconductor industry and with with talent being that top need for a semiconductor company's success and you know, that's really kind of true for almost all industries, right? Human capital is yeah. what every company is searching for and what drives them forward and drives innovation forward. So with our ability through the University at Buffalo to produce that top level talent, how do you feel Buffalo as a region then is poised to grow its semiconductor cluster, attract more companies, you know, that proximity to the university, uh, if we have the talent, which you know is the the top of the pyramid, how do you feel about the rest of the business case and the argument? Yeah, well, I think that um, first of all, we have to recognise that that UB is a jewel, but it's as it were a jewel in a crown that has some other jewels. I prefer to say smaller jewels. Also, we have top flight educational institutions in this region. I mean, really, let's recognise the University of Rochester and an outstanding institution, which interestingly has skills in its faculty that complement those of the UB faculty very nicely. So I think there is definitely uh, from that perspective, a regional argument that can be made for, um, you know, in, inducing a major semiconductor manufacturer to consider a move to the region. Uh, New York State, of course, has been very aggressive in making conditional conditions favorable for high-tech companies to move into the state. It's done that with Tesla. It's done it with uh, global foundries. Um, it's, 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 it's done it um, through the creation of SUNY Poly um, in Albany. Um, and actually, there's an interesting sort of interplay between SUNY Poly and UB also. SUNY Poly is maybe much more focused on short 
short-term needs of the semiconductor industry, like immediate needs. There's been a major investment in of infrastructure at SUNY Poly um, that the semiconductor industry can take, advan take advantage of to solve its today's problems now. But UB is an institution that's very well positioned um, to solve longer term, uh, more complex problems, I think. Um, I mean, if we go beyond the university, um, the educational system within Western New York, I think, is a very strong one. The public schools are good. We have, um, you know, a good, diverse school system. So that means, generally speaking, the workforce within Western New York is, is, is well-educated, well-trained. Um, we, you know, there is, of course, it, I'm not necessarily the one to speak to this in an authoritative manner, but you know, the, the by regenerating former industrial sites in the Buffalo Niagara area, there's plenty of opportunity. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of real estate, right, for a major manufacturer to come in and put down um, a footprint. Um, so you know, the, you talk about human capital, the workforce exists here, it's well-trained and educated. There are good institutions that can support um, a major semiconductor manufacturer. Um, and added to which, there's a very good quality of life here. Um, you know, I think that we, as people who live in Buffalo, all like to think that it's a well-kept secret we're well aware of what the national reputation is as this snowy tundra. I can't tell you the tales I was told when we were planning to move from Phoenix to, to Buffalo. Um, but I will tell you that I was told to get ready for sun deprivation um, and to spend nine months of the year living in an Arctic tundra. And of course, the reality turns out to be completely uh, uh, different. Um, it, it, it's a region with four distinct seasons. It's got very strong cultural and, and sport scene. Um, it, it's got a great uh, restaurant scene. And I think more importantly than anything, anything else, it's people really believe in the community and want to work collaboratively together to make it a success. That was the immediate thing we noticed when we visited here. And to be honest, it was that aspect of Buffalo that really persuaded us to move here. Like a true podcast host, you segued perfectly into my <laughs> next question, which was about your move from... <laughs> From Arizona to Buffalo, and and maybe yeah. you just answered that question, but I know earlier in our conversation you alluded to, obviously the university and your role there being a big draw for your relocation to the region. Uh, but you alluded to other things beyond that. Is that list you just gave from the cultural institutions and quality of life, and sports scene and restaurant scene? Is that a lot of what kind of 
made the argument around the university worthwhile for you to make the move? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I guess that I maybe grew up in an era where there was a strong belief in work-life balance. I think that that's maybe been eroded in recent years, but I've tried to retain that sense in my career, and I've never been willing to put my career first at the cost of all other elements in, in my, my life. I wanted to have, I didn't want to be sort of transitory person. I wanted my kids to grow up with a real sense of community. And I got to say, I'm so glad that they've grown up in, in, in Buffalo. Um, I mean, they, they, I think, especially living in, in the city of Buffalo, some of the diversity that you, you don't see necessarily in all other parts of the country. Um, we were so excited when we moved here about the opportunity to be able to walk between places. This was some, simply something we were never able to do really in, in Phoenix where everything was stretched out and, and many of the cities were almost built in a way that discouraged pedestrian activity. Um, and I'd grown up in, in outer London, uh, which was very much high density of people moving together on streets. And I was surprised to find how much I missed that when I moved away from it um, to Phoenix. Um, coming here, we, did, we rediscovered that again, um, just just, you know, going out on a summer evening to get an ice cream and just wandering down, you know, Elmwood Avenue or, or Hurtle Avenue or being in Delaware Park, um, which is a fantastic park. You know, every morning I get up and I walk my dog in the Japanese garden and I go over into Delaware Park. I mean, it's such a rich landscape. It's, it's a feast for the eyes. You know, I'm walking past the Albright uh, Gallery. I'm walking past the, the Historical Society building. I mean, these are just real landmark spaces um, and, and, and they're accessible. And you can live in a community that they are integrated into. They're part of your, the, the daily vista and now I almost take them in without thinking about it. But if I cast my mind back to thinking, what impact did that have on us when we first moved here? It was such a refreshing change. So, and you know, we are big, all of my family are hockey fans. I'm not, I'm not there on that one, but we are completely uh, a Bills household. Um, we just, we just love the excitement of the, you know, the recent, you know, success and uh, everything that did to, um, I mean, the Buffalo Bills can bring Buffalo together in, in a way that no other, no other activity or political entity um, or religious, you know, organization can. It cuts across all racial and socioeconomic lines and it just 
unites people. So it's it's been it's 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 really been exciting being part of that. So I think that Buffalo can be a community that people can move to from outside. Um, they can be accepted into, and when they're accepted into it, they'll find that it's a community that they can make a difference in themselves. And I think that's very satisfying. Well, I have chills from your Buffalo description and your Bill's description. Thank you very much for your time. And we're certainly lucky to have you here in Buffalo. Before I let you go, we always end on a couple hard hitting blizzard round questions. Oh dear, so, I'm not, not good at that. Yeah. If, if you were a flavor of ice cream, what would you be? If I was, a, oh, you're not going to get a hard hitting answer. I mean, scientists like to think this through. Uh, I, espresso, uh, I need that to get me through the day. Okay. How about a, a book or TV show that you'd recommend? Oh, I love, I love um, foreign language TV. Um, and the, the Swedish version, Swedish-Danish joint production of The Bridge is probably, I think, the best um, detective uh, thriller um, that you'll ever see. It, it goes way beyond um, any typical uh, stereotypes. Uh, I really recommend that if you haven't seen it. Okay. Do you prefer a text or a phone call? Oh, text. Yeah. Yeah. Talking with people is not good. <laughs> I, I believe we already got your answer on this one, but bills or sabers? Oh, yeah. Bills all the way. Hiking or skiing? Skiing. Okay. And last question, the most important Buffalo one. Chicken wings, drumstick or flat? Oh, 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 oh. flat. Hot Great choice. And spicy. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. No worries. privately funded, nonprofit marketing and economic development organization. Please rate this podcast, follow our social media channels, and read our blog at buffaloniagara.org for the best of Buffalo Niagara. Come grow your business with us.